coming up on Facts from the Stacks. So we've done a plant episode. <laughs> we've done a plant. <laughs> we've done a plant episode before. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going well. <laughs> it's still recording. It's still recording. Everything is fine. He kills laptop. The end. <laughs> okay. Start that last sentence over. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson Madison County Library, is your library news and book based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump our other library staff. Welcome back, all you botany babes and plant pals. Welcome back. So we have done a plant episode before, but I think there's, you know, we decided even at that time that there's enough plant stuff that we can yeah. have plenty of episodes about that. Yeah, we had already talked of plant part two. Yeah, so this is just... Part one. Yeah, absolutely. So this is just plant part two. Da, da, da. Um, we also have a special guest today. <laughs> Rachel is one of the circ clerks. So if you come to the main library downtown, you probably recognize her at least a little bit. Um, she's the blonde one. Yeah. Uh, she's a plant enthusiast, mm -hmm. I guess. I'm not even sure I can say hobbyist. Aspiring hobbyist? Aspiring gardener. Indeed. Okay, that's fair. Um, so we can go with that. Um, so welcome to the pod. Um, and as usual, we'll start out with Recently Borrowed. Woo! I have just been so focused on the big read. Totally. Um, we just had a really great book discussion, though, um, at Jackson State. We had, nice. like, a whole little meeting room full of people wow. talking about Cersei, which was super fun. Um, so I enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm going to be – I'm obligated to talk about Cersei for at least another month at this point. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's what I've still been doing. So have you focused. have you read anything? Sure have. We're full into the autumn reading list. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which, I mean, I just have a list every season. But anyway, um, yesterday morning I finished The Last Devil to Die, which is the newest – book in the Thursday Murder Club series, which is just the best. I have heard so much about them and I'm really tempted because like cozy, like I don't know, cozy elderly murder mysteries yes. really feel like they're getting popular. Yeah, right it's now. a genre we didn't know we needed, but we did. Out of everything people check out, I think that must be one of the most popular like, genres. Cozy yeah, mysteries. I've seen it everywhere yeah. lately, especially like like elderly people, cozy mystery Specific sub genre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. They're so good, and like they've come out every September for the past four years now. So it's like my annual fall tradition. My sister and I always read them together, and they're just delightful. So you know it's coming. Yeah, like you can anticipate. Yeah, it's fun now because it's like every September. I'm like, woo! That's fun. Thursday murder book. That's fun. Ten out of ten recommend. Yeah, that's good. 
And Rachel, what have you checked out? Uh, the only thing I've checked out recently was a cake pan. Um, Which one? The We have a Holly Hobby cake pan. Why did oh. you check out the Holly Hobby Never cake would I have guessed that one. I know, indeed. Um, I actually uh, was checked out my roommates. Um, their mother's birthday was coming. And apparently every year growing up when they were kids, she would do these big themed parties and she would always make an elaborate themed cake. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so this year, being both, you know... A, 22 and 24 year old women they decided they wanted to do the same for their mom so they checked out a holly hobby cake band because apparently there is a holly hobby doll that is precious to their mother that's fun um, that she grew up with that she told her daughters about so when they were flipping through our cake pan catalog they said yes that's it that's the one and they made it sweet she appreciated it that's really cute great story see come check out a cake pan yeah do it Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? Before, we talked mostly mostly gardening gardening stuff. Yeah. Um, So this time I went a little more into, like, botany, the history of botany and things Mm -hmm. like that. So... Um, botany, also known as plant science, plant biology, or phytology. Um, current day botanists study approximately 410,000 species of land plants. Um, early botany started as herbalism, which just people studying plants and how they, you know, herbs and how they were used medicinally and things mm-hmm. like that. And we slowly made that more scientific like witches very cersei ish oh you may have already said this but the word we get pharmacy from now Uh um in greek that word implicates witches and witchcraft because pharmakia that's kind of to this day one of the um one of the like greek philosophical forefathers of medicine Mm -hmm. um is credited like local women who did witchcraft with some of his knowledge. And so that's how that concept flows into wow. one another. Which that word's brought up in Circe. Yeah, she was totes an herbalist. Yeah, absolutely. Witch. Yeah. And also right now I'm listening to the final book in the Practical Magic series. Oh, well. So let's just circle it all circle the way around. Circle it all the way around. <laughs> um, also, I'm just making the really like confident assumption that's where we get the word pharmacy. Yes, Because it, yeah. <laughs> it Makes looks... Sense the same also so. remember i was telling you last week last time when we got the topic that i didn't put together until that very moment that botany and botanical were related were words yeah like that's yeah. botanical i do from. remember that conversation <laughs> um but examples of um, botany have been found in india from before 1100 bc and in china from before 221 BC. So, like, we've been studying the more scientific part of plants for quite some time. Um, So, our um, also language person, Rachel, (laughs) um, I think listeners have probably heard about you simply because I talk about sign language often. Ah, gotcha. Um, But the etymology of botany apparently comes from the ancient Greek botane, meaning pasture, herbs, grass, or fodder. Ooh. I am almost more annoyed that I didn't know that. Oh. Greek is one of my my languages. That's why I knew... uh, Formechia? Yeah, Formechia. Not the ancient Greek, though. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but modern day botany traces its roots back to Theophrastus. <laughs> roots. Yeah, roots. Ha ha ha. Yeah, completely unintentional. Um, it traces its roots back to Theophrastus, a student of Aristotle. Oh. And he is widely considered to be like the father of botany. Mm. Nice. Um, because those are the fa- that's the foundation that we. So it's not Neville Longbottom. It is not it's Neville Longbottom. Guy. It is, yeah. Yes, it is. He's uh, the son of Bob. The son of the heir. The heir of Slytherin, <laughs> aka Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first, uh, the first botanical gardens were founded, um, attached to universities, um, starting from about 1540 onward. Hmm. Um, so specifically for studying botany yeah um and then during the 18th century is when we kind of started doing the like taxonomic classification of plants um you know with our genus and family and species and all that um so there are different um areas of botany that are divided by topic and i thought some of these were kind of interesting so the study of cacti specifically is um, a canthrochronology. Ooh. It's a very specific area for that. Fancy. Which is kind of fun. Um, the study of grasses is agrostology. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, brambles, which seems really <laughs> narrow, but I'm I guess maybe it's not. expert baby. <laughs> yeah, is batology. Okay. Um, mosses, liverworts, and hornworts is bryology. Mm-hmm. You have citrology, which citruses. Ooh. So mycology for fungus mushrooms, and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mushrooms. Orchidology for orchids. Um, phycology or algology for algae. Ooh. Um, for ferns, it is pteridology. With a P in front. Ooh, because of the pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Who's often flying about the ferns. <laughs> yeah, correct. That's exactly why. And then... Fingers. <laughs> rhodology, which is specifically roses. So yeah, that's just like... Some of those are really interesting. The study of cacti. I, yeah, I love that. That's fun. Acanthochronology. That's a mouthful. You walk into a party... I'm an acanthochronologist. An acanthochronologist <laughs> and a um, batologist walk into a bar. <laughs> Growth. Growth. <laughs> that's the joke. Um, yeah, so that's just like a little overview of botany as, you know, a history, like very, very basic. We'll be right back with more facts from the stacks. If you enjoy classic tales with new twists, retellings of old mythology, and learning about new cultures, join us for The Big Read. The Big Read, funded in part by the National Endowment for the Arts, is a two-month-long celebration of the book Circe by Madeline Miller. Circe is a retelling of the life of the Greek sorceress by the same name, giving her new life and showing her perspective. Circe, forced into exile to an island by herself, hones her various crafts, explores her need for human connection, and defines herself in a world of gods and men. Attend library events between September 15th and November 11th to get your free copy of Circe and read alongside the rest of Madison County. We will be involved in events all over Jackson, including the Jackson Symphony's Greek Fantasia concert. Check out our website, jmclibrary.org, for a full list of events.
So I have been practicing my searching skills because I'm in library school. Of course. And so I'm not supposed to just Google things anymore. No. I'm supposed to be a real researcher. Okay. Okay. So I used the Tennessee Electronic Library. As everyone should. Yes. For my research. (laughs) Um, One of the articles I found was from Science News. And it was basically talking about plants as moms. So previously or throughout time, plants have been thought of as only parenting as far as like their offspring, their their seedling descendants. Yes. <laughs> um, just so far as the design of the seeds. So like mm-hmm. there's protective coatings on seeds or like different things to help the seed be successful. Mm-hmm. Is this correct? Oh, I don't know this. Okay. She's just I have, interested. I have an opposite thought. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, yeah, let's see. Let's see. So this article was talking about some studies that have done been done that are finding more evidence that they do more. Like, so their plants have a reputation for being kind of like a give birth and good luck kind yeah. of a mom. Very much like um, related um, Cersei's mother. Yeah, like Cersei's mom. Who was mom. like, Done bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's some evidence that they do a little bit more mothering than we thought. So one of the terms, well, not terms, this is like what chickens do and other animals, brooding. So like mm-hmm. the plant version of brooding is that seedlings that grow up among the fallen leaves and stems of an adult plant tend to be more healthy and successful. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. When they're in the shade as well as the organic matter of older plants, they're more successful. They're getting that nutrition and things like that from their fallen brethren. Yeah. So, like, their mom is brooding over them. Interesting. As a hen would. Plant brooding. Yeah. And then another parenting term was um, equivalent of like giving parental advice. Okay. (laughs) So they not only, you know, have the features of the seeds to protect them so that they will grow into adults, but also programming seeds for success. So one example was that seedlings that had the same lighting conditions that their mother plant had were successful. They thrived. So like the mom programmed her seeds to mm-hmm. be successful in the same environment that she thrived in. That's interesting. So they were so like comparing that to parental advice. Here's how you use your energy and store, you know, this is your light condition. Yeah. This is what you've got to work with, but they they know no quote unquote that when they yeah. sprout. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is pretty helpful. deep because like that's what moms be doing. They set you up for success based on what they know. Their experience. Mm-hmm. Motherhood. Interesting. <laughs> Boom. Uh, the fact I have is kind of the opposite of that. Oh no. Uh, not, not in contradicting <laughs> okay. but in the opposite of a tree's lifespan. Ooh. So uh, we've only recently discovered it to be like un- we've proved it, although this was kind of known beforehand. Sometimes if you're in a forest, you will see a stump of a tree that's just fallen mm-hmm. at some point or another in its life. But if you look at the stump and dig into the bark a little bit, they find that it's alive. Like somehow, despite the fact that it has no leaves, no stem, it's just a stump, it's roots in the ground. Uh-huh. And that's because trees share. They share resources. Nutrition yeah, and things like that. Through the mycelium in their roots, they share... Um, water and resources and so sometimes if you go into a forest and see a really really old stump in the middle of all of these younger trees it's alive it's still because living. the other trees are taking care of it 
Like, that's the matriarch. Yeah. Wait, so, so it died and they brought it back to life or it never died? It just Basically, never died. it lost its ability to feed itself through its leaves and moderate its own water. But because it's still connected to the system of roots, wow. all of the other trees, if they're flourishing, feed it. That's so freaking So it's kind beautiful. of like they take care of their babies, if you want to phrase it that way. But yeah. they can also be phrased as taking care of their elderly in, a, yeah. in some circumstances. This is giving Avatar. <laughs> it is giving Avatar. I feel like we talked about this just a little bit because we yeah, talked a little bit about plant communication. Like under the and roots. how through their roots they are able to like send chemical impulses that other plants can pick up on. It's really crazy. Yeah, Rachel's vibrating. I yeah. am physically vibrating. <laughs> yeah. She's excited. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Uh, a silly thing about me right now in this podcast is my hand is still stained from um, collecting walnuts. Uh, walnuts. Oh, I heard made like side conversations of this. Um, and right now I'm trying, I've collected walnuts for the first time ever and I'm trying to collect acorns when they all fall. But a funny thing about both walnuts and acorns is that those trees coordinate with each other when, how much to produce every year. Um, like, even if they have very different nutrient like availability and light they availability. They produce similar amounts of yeah, basically, seed? Yeah, compared to like the capacity of the tree. Wow. Um, and a major theory about this is predator satiation. I don't know how to say that word quite right. Yeah. Um, Basically that there are squirrels Uh (laughs) Um, and that's like how trees do their thing is mostly the squirrels. Um, And so if they produce a consistent amount of nuts every year, then they will have basically that many squirrels to eat that many nuts. Right. But if they are inconsistent together, if they all work together and are inconsistent, so some years they produce only little and some years they overproduce. Those are called mast years. Um, They produce a whole ton. Then there will only be as many squirrels as there were to feed the year you right. made fewer. Like yeah. if you made, like if you had 10 pieces of bread, there's only 10 people to eat it. And then you make 12. Well, now you have more of a chance of extra seeds getting planted and growing into full grown adults. than if you constantly did a hundred percent. Wow. That's crazy. And they coordinate that with each other. That makes They'd be messing with the squirrels. They do. They do. They'd be messing with the squirrels. It's population control of the squirrels. <laughs> have no clue. They're being schooled by a Who's bunch of trees. Who's being farmed here, you know? The, wow. the trees which are for planted the by the trees or the squirrels, which are controlled. <laughs> wow. I uh, learned all about this in a book that we have here at the library, um, which has my whole heart. Um, <laughs> what it is made the me title? Cry. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass. Oh, oh I've heard yeah. such good things about that book. It is amazing. And the author is an indigenous native. American woman who's also got like a PhD or something in botany. I forget exactly where her degree is. Plants. Uh-huh. And the whole book is about plants and native peoples and her life and the connections. Wow. Um, and so she wrote in the book that the native people had, co- had often said that the trees talked to each other. Mm-hmm. And when Europeans came over, they were like, no, that's silly. Our best botany what we did at what we did at our colleges says yep. that trees don't talk, <laughs> and only now are we able to read the signals and look at the mycelium and understand. Oh, they do communicate. They've been talking the whole time. Wow. That's why. Yeah, I've been wanting to read that book for a long time. Yes, I yeah, it's really. Cool. I have not finished. People are very into that one. Mm-hmm. She's always on lists when I'm looking, mm-hmm. like recommended lists, depending like on a variety of subjects. Sure is. If you like plants, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, not a quiz question per se. But what 
in your head, if you were to think of what the most common plant is, do you have any idea of what that might be? I would either say like grasses because number one, those are the most cultivated plant, wheat, corn, rice, and Mm -hmm. incredibly common. Um, The only other thing I would put in the running might be like algae, anything in the water. There's a lot of water. Seaweed because there's so much ocean. Fair, very fair. Um, So it's kind of hard to quantify the Mm -hmm. most common plant, but um, more often than not, that is credited to phytoplankton. So Mm -hmm. nailed it. Um, Phytoplankton, of course, are the little plants that float in the water. Um, They are known by NASA to be the most important plant in the world mm-hmm. um, because they provide the most the most oxygen to our atmosphere. Oh wow! Um, because they they break down all that carbon dioxide. There's more of them than we can even hope to count or <laughs> account for. But <clears throat> so even though they are microscopic, when they go through an algae bloom, you can see from space the effect on the ocean because the ocean begins to reflect light differently when there's a bloom. And so it takes on different colors. Like it will be like a slightly greener color. Um, So you can tell it it sure does. (laughs) This is the avatar episode. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, and then of course it's also important because it's a vital food supply for marine life. Uh. It's the like, the bottom of the food chain there. So that's also why it's important. Um, As far as like actual plants, not like plants that we can't really see with our (laughs) naked eye, um, there's kind of like two ideas of what might be the most common. One is bracken, which I'm not super familiar with before I researched it, but it is... A large fern. Mm. So, you know, like, think like the dinosaur Twilight. one. Kind of. Like, is it most common because it's been here the longest? Because wasn't there ferns with the dinosaurs? It, allegedly. Or are these not really? I don't good? know. I, ferns yeah, are old and they're, they're old. also weird. Yeah, they're old like, and weird. They're mm. before Just seeds. like Twilight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old and weird, like Twilight. So, in Twilight, yeah. you know, the scenes where they're in the woods <laughs> and you see all that greenery that's like, that they're that's around them. That's bracken. Okay. Those they grow in um, in forests. So it seems to be in the UK. It seems to be what kudzu is to us. Oh. So it's very invasive. It's hard to control, and it kind of takes over a lot of their forested areas. Hmm. Um, so a single. <laughs> A single frond from this fern can grow six foot tall and three foot wide. So just one single shoot of this fern. Um, They reproduce with spores, which is a common fern thing, but that's unusual for plants with a vascular system. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also produce cyanide. When they're damaged to poison any of their, you know, any of their predators. That's wow. fair. That's hard. That's fine. This is fine. Um, that's fair. It's yeah, good that's, for them to do that. Yeah, it's good for them. I would do that. It's first. not good for them because they're so invasive. So, like, even oh, the animals yeah, can't fair. keep them back. Fair, fair, fair. Mm. Um, 
but they are a habitat for butterflies and moths, as well as the caterpillars that become those. But they're think they're thought to be one of the most common. Um, they seem to be a bigger problem in the UK than they are here, but we definitely have them here in the US as well. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is reeds, just common huh. reeds. Um, so it's a wetland grass that can grow up to 20 feet tall. I did not realize that, and that's terrifying. <laughs> um, so a single plant can spread basically from it 16 feet outward and then more shoots will grow up from those places and that's that's quite a lot that's a lot of ground for one plant to spread across yeah um it's often considered to be invasive to north america and outcompetes native vegetation and then also because it grows so tall and so thick there's not really any habitat for fauna there there's no animals that benefit from living in reed Mm. um so despite the fact though that they are considered weeds louisiana in particular finds them very important because it helps the stability of their wetlands otherwise you get erosion so basically if if they were to try to get rid of all the the reeds that are you know in their area then you're going to find erosion of not just their shoreline but the whole mississippi delta wow. yeah so reeds are very important even though mm. most people are like these are bad and we don't like them interesting mm-hmm. we'll be right back with more facts from the stacks do you love doing art projects but never really have the space to do them do you want to try something new but you're a little afraid to buy everything only to find out you don't really like it The Libraries Makerspace has tons of supplies for you to tackle your arts and crafts projects. Every Monday at 11, you can try your hand at watercolor painting, paper craft, knitting, sculpting, and so much more. Plus, you'll listen to a podcast in the meantime. Busy hands, fun listening. Come create with us. Okay, so the other article I found was about how leaves get their shape. Oh. And this was from... Science. Science. (laughs) It's the name of the journal, I guess. Oh, there we go. So, first of all, most leaves are flat so that they can capture sunlight for photosynthesis efficiently. Makes perfect sense. Which I didn't know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just flat. Yeah. Really easy to absorb all that light. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um... I can't remember what it said, like, the original theory was of how this happens, but there's new evidence suggesting that genetics determine what kind of leaves they have. So, like, for example, um, there's a type of corn that limits the outgrowth of side branches, so that's why corn has its tall, upright upright shape. Uh And then another example is, like, the snapdragon, which is a flower. It limits growth of the subset of petals so that it gets its asymmetric shape, which is ideal for pollinators to come into interesting so i just was an interesting article basically about how genetics determine you know leaf shape petal shape for different purposes interesting yeah speaking of corn Mm -hmm. such sad corn (laughs) that we produced this year so we did dear listeners We tried a library garden, and our plants grew so fast, and I was so excited. (laughs) 
And Rachel at one point was like, hey, you need to harvest your stuff. And we went out and we looked at the corn and it was a small, I mean, it was like a nub. It was like three, four inches. Oh, it was like two and a a half or three at most. It was, no, (laughs) it was such a little, it was like a ball of corn. Yeah. And that's all it produced. And it's just so funny because I don't know what happened. Unfortunately, if anyone if anyone listening to this does know what happened, please inform us, not just for the podcast, but I also tried to record and it was very tiny. It came out the same way? Weirdly textured. Like, I didn't mind that it was tiny because I, I grew it in pots for context. I grew it in just that's like fair. tubs, like bins, um, because I don't own any dirt. Um, but now I do. It's just all in boxes. Yeah. I tried to do like a whole little three sisters garden. I know that's silly. I tried it anyways. Oh, I mean, it, you know, you yeah. tried. Yeah, we learned. Um, and all of the corn came out so tiny. I have a picture of me with all of my corns in a row. And, like, <laughs> and they're just little. Some of the longer ones are like that you're the size of a very small ear of corn, but like it's, it's conceivable. Yeah. Um, some of the little ones are so little. But they all had like a really unpleasant texture. Did you ever try to eat your corn? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No, there because there would have been nothing to eat. You got it. It's for the spirit of the thing. The spirit of the thing. Uh, I did send. Now I did send the okra home with Jennifer. Oh, so we can ask Jennifer how the okra came out. How the okra was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just gardening's hard. Mm -hmm. I think our mistake at the library was that we did square foot gardening and we probably put too many plants Mm -hmm. in a smaller space, Mm -hmm. and so I just think that they didn't get enough. Yeah, I think you're supposed to even still spread out. Like, you put all the corn together, and I think it needs to be a little spread out. I think my mistake was, like, too many corn per pot. So that's a very similar mistake you're making. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get it, though. We'll try it again. Mm -hmm. Next year. You and me. I want to do... I know it's getting late, but I want to try spinach and Yeah, I'm growing some some arugula right now, and it's going pretty well because it's, like, a cold weather. Which, it's not super cold yet, but it's... Good now, and I feel like it'll. It's last, a fall weather crop. The really. frost is coming. Mm-hmm. Do you have extra arugula seeds by chance? No, okay. I think I do. I, I think need, we spoke I about need this. seeds. I yeah. can see if I can get them to you. I need yeah. seeds. Also, I'm considering planting garlic because you can like plant that, that over the winter. You plant it at the beginning of fall, and then it overwinters, and you harvest it in the spring. I do want to try that, but it seems like that advice depends on it being hardneck garlic or prefers. And you just plant a clove of garlic, and I don't. I don't know how to ask the people at my Kroger, like, what what is what is this garlic? What is its name if I were buying it at a garden store? Like, right. <laughs> what is they it? may not know. Yeah, I don't. I, it, it just says garlic. And it I'm just like, says hmm. garlic. Yeah, no, that's fair. And this year I just planted for the first time my tulip bulbs and two peony. They were like little cuttings of stems or something. And then... I don't remember the other name, but it was another bulb flower. Because we have, like, daffodils that come up naturally in our yard. And so at the end of the spring, I, like, dug all those up and redistributed them because they mm-hmm. were getting kind of clumped. Yeah. Mary County has a lot of, like, daffodils yes. and stuff that spring up on the sides of the road. Literally. That's, like, my favorite thing about moving to Tennessee that I noticed. Like, I don't know if there were – I mean, there were obviously daffodils where I lived. Like, literal Daffodil Hill was a thing. But anyways. Right. Like, here they're like a weed. And it's so beautiful yeah. because it's like the end of winter. Here are the daffodils. And in Tennessee, they're just like everywhere. It's yeah, lovely. it's really cool. Someone along like my major road has a stand of tiger lilies, I think. Ooh. Um, but then – 
clearly outside of where they intentionally planted them. They are just More peppered in <laughs> tiger lilies. That's and funny. it gives me such joy. And also, or day lilies, not tiger lilies, day lilies. Day lilies. Um, this is also a great temptation to me. Don't don't steal from your neighbors. But also, like, they don't... They They're don't not them. using them. And <laughs> I, could, I could use them. I yeah. could pickle them. And they would be like capers. You could pickle really? day lily bulbs. I didn't know like that. The, not bulbs, like the... Buds, the un- Buds. unopened flower. Interesting. Yeah. How about Speaking that? Speaking of daylilies, oh. <laughs> that's in one of my facts. Oh my. So along my journey, I learned about the idea of fire resistant plants, mm-hmm. which really shooketh me because I hadn't heard of this. Okay. I don't and know that I have. I come from the land of the wildfire, aka California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like there's fire resistant plants, which to me just seems wild, but there's also like, yeah, it was this whole thing of like lists and recommendations of stuff to plant in your yard for fire safety reasons. Whoa. I thought that was super cool, but one of them is daily day lilies are fire oh, resistant. Yeah. As well as the tall bearded iris, delphinium, coneflower. I just wrote down a bunch of flowers because I prefer flowers, but there's a lot of fire resistant plants. Interesting. So do they just like, when it says fire resistant, does that mean they like, I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't know if it means like they don't burn. Like they, they burn won't slowly, catch. Or, or, yeah. they, or, or like they'll like. bulb flowers, do they come back more easily or something? Maybe. Because I know there are some plants that basically require fire. Yeah, like in some order to reproduce like, and, and be healthy. Yeah. There are places that kind of need fire yeah. huh. for a healthy ecosystem. That's yeah, controlled burns. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's like, fair. But I think some of these are like. Planes. If you put, like, if you, you know, if you're in a fire hazardous area, like where I used to live, you would like plant these. And then if a fire broke out, I think it would stop it from spreading to that's, the wildfire. I wonder I if that's because of like the composition of like the, like if it's, if it's some kind of plant that has like a waxy or a, like oh, yeah. something to do with the insides, maybe, maybe it doesn't catch and it will like try to like it dampen almost. the fire yeah. almost because it won't catch as well. Or plants that have like, they tend to have lower leaves die off first or something. That yeah. would have a lot of crispy leaves for it to burn up. To burn up, yeah. Really so That's very interesting. That. That's yeah. Interesting. Huh. But yeah, I just hadn't really heard of that. And I thought yeah, that was I hadn't either. Concept. That's really cool. Yeah. Our final facts and quiz segment will be right after this break. We all know that libraries have books. And most of us know that libraries have had movies since VHS tapes were still a thing. But did you know the library has so much more? Want to make pasta but don't want to buy a pasta machine? Need a drill to make some very important home repairs? What about a new board game that isn't Monopoly so you can play games with friends and family without hating them? Yeah, we have that too. Check one out. So next time you visit the library, be sure to check out our library of things to find your thing. Oh, okay. So I told you I tried to do like a three sisters. Yeah. yeah. This is less of a fact and more of an observation. This isn't like Uh something I can Google. Yeah. Um, Um... I tried to do a three sisters garden, and that is a very traditional um, planting technique where you get corn Mm -hmm. as a tall, wind-pollinated plant, um, and you interplant it with some beans or plant beans around the outside of your cornfield if you've got a nice cornfield, because then the beans don't need a trellis. They trellis up the corn, and often the third sister is uh, some sort of squash or gourd, which will shade the bottom and make it resistant to weeds right. and also maybe like raccoons because i was googling how to keep my stuff safe from raccoons and it said it doesn't like the spikiness of like a squash plant so no. i wonder if, oh. no one's ever put that as a reason to have the third sister but now i'm wondering interesting um oh but so that's 
That's the schema. And also the important thing is that beans are nitrogen fixtures. They take nitrogen from the air, um, whereas most plants only rely on that in the ground. So oh. the beans actually, and they put it, they store it in their roots with the help of a, uh, or you could also phrase it as a certain fungus stores it in their roots because they're so interlaced. It's right. irrelevant to separate them. Um, and so that actually helps flour- nourish the other plants with enough nitrogen. Huh. So that's like that schema. I was out foraging the other day. That's something I'm real into. A thing into. you do? Yeah, <laughs> real into. Um, just walking along the side of a road. And this week, this year we've had a tall ragweed, giant ragweed. Um, you know ragweed, if you have allergies, you mm. probably hate her. <laughs> it grows Fair. everywhere. Very, very bad if you have allergies. I don't. I have no fear. Um, and this year we've actually had giant ragweed. We know native people ate it for food somehow, but like we don't know how. We'll see. Anyone hmm. figures that out, um, but anyways, it's a poly- it's, uh, makes you sneeze a lot because it's wind pollinated in the same way. Like you could flick it sometimes and watch all the little pollen. Oh drift yeah. Um, and so there it was, growing big and tall by the side of the road, and I was like, "Oh, giant ragweed." Okay, that's what that is. And I realized that twining around it was a bean, a oh. wild bean. Um, I didn't write down the name of the plant. I should have. Um, I looked at it with a certain app it's called picture this and it told me what plant it was and i google it to make sure and it's completely edible so i took it home and ate it um but it's just it's a bean like it looks so much like the beans i was growing growing. at home and it was incredible to me because i'm out here trying so hard in my human made yeah beans that have no connection to the wild Uh trying to make this system set up and then i walk 20 feet from my house and the wild is doing it by itself that's the worst like you yeah you work hard in your garden and then like a couple feet away everything's growing that just like accidentally got there oh yeah like foraging makes gardening seem so silly (laughs) because you're out here like oh please produce for me dear plant i beg of you i give you some fertilizer and then you're like oh look yard salad it's salad (laughs) but it's just in my lawn (laughs) wild Let's get ready for quiz time. Let's get ready for quiz time. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I feel like a lot of these might be hopefully ones that you're not going to be familiar with, Rachel, because (laughs) I know you love your plant stuff, but I think some of these are specific enough. We'll Mm. see. So question number one, we're going to let Kelly answer first. In all of these instances. Wow. That's harsh. Just because this this girl and her plants. All right. What is the chief natural pollinator of pineapples? Bats, bees, hummingbirds, or lemurs? Bats. I also wanted to say bats. Certain wild pineapples are foraged and pollinated at night by bats, but... Primarily, hummingbirds are responsible for this. Mm. Under cultivation, pollination is done by hand Mm -hmm. because producing too many seeds depletes the like quality of the the fruit. fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Hawaii during the 20th century um, forbade. importation of hummingbirds because one of their you know one of their big crops was like we're going to harvest and can all these pineapples we don't want your hummingbirds coming over here and ruining our pollination and making the fruit worse 
Gotcha. So it's kind of fun. In that respect, look up, like, if you ever see Madagascar vanilla on the shelves, mm-hmm. um, it's more expensive than the other vanilla. Uh-huh. The only reason for that is that vanilla is not native to Madagascar, and so they have to hand pollinate all of it. That's interesting. Whereas, I forget where it naturally grows, but, like, it, I think it's by a hummingbird. It has a natural pollinator where it's from. And not in Madagascar. And not in Madagascar. It's not like a higher quality product. It's just That's a wild. higher effort. I've been bamboozled once It's my understanding. Sure you know vanilla things. Correct me. Wow. All right. Question two. Of the 1,750 known species of cacti, how many are native only to the Americas? So you said 1,750. 1,750. How many are native only to the Americas? I'm going to say 1,200. 1,500. 1,749. Oh, What's that. the one cactus? Yes. The one species is called the Ripsalia bachifera. It grows only in Africa and Sri Lanka. <gasps> I have so many questions. Where did she come from? What is her journey? <laughs> her journey is Africa and Sri Lanka. Yeah, That's but, like, it. She just is like, oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be to be botanically called a cactus. Is it related to the others? It's and a which great way did question. It go? It's a great question. Sorry. That's a fun one. A pain. Uh, let's see. A painkiller and fever reducer can be made from the bark of which tree? I think I know this from one Oh, just in general? Books. Just in general. Oh, uh, Willow. Is it Willow? It's Willow. Oh, I'm sorry. You were the answer first. I've been reading so many books about witches lately because My guy, I think that one's in Warrior Cats. Like, that's a common yeah. one. That's fair. I know they've said that a hundred times. I just don't remember. Yeah. So, a precursor to aspirin from the Willow has been used for its health benefits for at least 2,400 years. Oh, yeah, because this one book I was reading, she was, like, helping this lady give birth, and she was like, here, chew on this bark. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Um... <laughs> What color were carrots originally? Oh, isn't this from Rachel? I remember her telling <laughs> us this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you, because you said something about like they were made orange like before the the place orange. I actually was a little wrong about that. But okay. Are they just like white? They're they're white. Like a root vegetable of many. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can actually, wild carrots are still very much around and uh-huh. not hard to find at all. Like I've got them here. They're uh-huh. prolific. They're known as Queen Anne's Lace, if you know the flower. Oh! Yeah. You know her. Yeah. Uh, disclaimer, does kind of look like a toxic plant, so make sure you know what you're doing. And don't, don't, I don't know what they did to breed this out of the domesticated carrot, uh-huh. but it's very, apparently it has like a, um, it can cause birth defects or even like a miscarriage or something. Like, Whoa. Oh my it's goodness. like a, JK, not doing that. Like a, <laughs> or even preventative like birth control it was used for that interesting i don't know what Whoa. they did to breed that out of the modern carrot i have questions like That's that is so interesting what the heck wow <laughs> but they're little they're white i mean they're kind of brown on the outside because they're dirty but they're white they're little um they don't taste very sweet they that that savory taste that a carrot has just kind of punches you in the mouth uh-huh um yeah carrots Wild outside carrots. for free i love a carrot all right and Question number five. What plant was once more valuable than gold in Holland? The tulip? It is the tulip. I did not know this. Yeah. What they're famous for. Yeah. So during the 1600s, it was introduced um, 
and became very fashionable mm. to have tulips. And so the bulbs became worth more than gold. And then what they call tulip mania caused the Dutch economy to crash entirely oh, heck. in oh, no. 1637. And that's generally considered to be the first rec- recorded speculative bubble in an economy. Oh no. <laughs> was just the inflation of something to such a huge degree that there's no foundation for that. Wow. Damn. So then the market just crashed. Man, I got my tulip bowls at Sam's Club. <laughs> it's because of that market crash. It's because of that market crash. They're trying to get rid of them to this day. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right, and that's the quiz. Just a yes. just a little quiz for us. Yeah, I loved it. The uh, fashionable tulips made me think. Today I was researching like plants just to make sure I was none of my facts were wrong. Uh-huh. I thought that would be very embarrassing. Uh huh. Um, and tomatoes. I did know this. Tomatoes. People thought they were poisonous for a long time in Europe uh-huh. because they're nightshades. They're related to other nightshades. <laughs> that uh, yeah, and I have, find I, them very spooky. Mm-hmm. Also, lead was used for painting on plates and tomatoes being very acidic could eat into those plates. Oh. So they were like, oh, a spooky nightshade. And then someone was like, no, they ate this over there. I'll eat it. But they ate it off of a lead plate. So they were also kind of poisoned. Um, but for a time, oh. people would grow them, at least in like Italy, as a decorative plant. Like they thought the leaves and the flowers, they put them in their garden as a flower plant. Which is yeah. fair, and I guess. apparently they would take the fruit sometimes and su- use it as a decoration. Like... Having a shiny red bauble that they thought on was completely the, useless yeah. that they would throw away that. once it started rotting. <laughs> that's weird. That's awesome. Here's my decorative tomato. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then they were like, you know what? Let's put this in some sauce. <laughs> yeah. And they were and, right. And here yeah. we are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Well. That was that's, great. Yeah. That's our episode on Bonnie. Us. Yeah. Thanks for coming. That's a fun time. <laughs> um, we will announce our next episode at some point we've got to do our dewey roulette for our next episode but we will um we'll post that or record something what have we been doing (laughs) missing opportunities that's why you're here yeah that's a doulette um but yeah thanks for listening and we will see you next time bye bye